Welcome back to all of our podcast regulars and those of you that are new with us today. We're glad that you found us. This is Kathy Montgomery from Excellence Advisory Group, and I have Roger Manning here today as well. Hi there. Well, Roger, your topic today looks interesting. I thought having an employee handbook was a good thing and would keep you from being sued. So I guess I don't understand your title. My employee handbook got me sued. (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, Kathy, an employee handbook is a very good thing to have, and it would normally be your bulwark of defense if you did have a disgruntled employee try to sue you over subjects that are covered within that handbook. Well, I guess you're going to tell us then today how this employee handbook got them sued. Yes, I am. So let me begin by asking a question of my audience. Do you have an employee handbook right now? If not, why not? Uh, When was the last time that you updated your employee handbook if you do have one? And if you did, did you give a copy of the revised handbook to your employees? And how do you know that they read it? So let me tell you a story. My story begins like this. Susan was working at XYZ Surgery Center as a business office manager. And Susan would normally show up on time occasionally. So occasionally she was late to work. Susan was a non-exempt employee and was expected to be there at 7.30 and work until 4 o'clock with 30 minutes as a non-paid lunch. And Susan had been employed there for six months. Susan brought her lunch every day and she liked to eat at her desk, justifying that she could answer the phone that way and do some reading. Susan's performance over the past three months, however, was deteriorating in terms of just not getting things done, and there was an increase in the number of errors, and she appeared aloof to some employees when they were asking about her work-related questions that they had. So Susan's boss, Barbara, the XYZ Surgery Center administrator, began to express dissatisfaction with Susan regarding her work performance, as well as her uncleanliness of the work area due to all the eating at the desk, and thought that she would now dump on some other issues like tardiness and what other employees' comments were about her effect. So 30 days goes by, no improvement from Susan after further complaints and warnings from Barbara. Another two weeks, and now Barbara is just fed up and brings Susan in the office to fire. Susan is now terminated. Okay, story gets better. One week later, Barbara receives a notice from Susan's employment attorney that XYZ and Barbara are being sued for unlawful termination, citing violations to the very employee handbook that XYZ published and distributed to their employees. Yes, Barbara can be sued because she is the manager of the people at XYZ and she is responsible for the employment law at XYZ. So Barbara is thinking to herself, wow, how can this be? The employee handbook was read by Susan, and she should have known to follow it. And how can we be sued by just wanting to enforce our own policies? And besides, her performance was not good, and it was declining. I fired her because of poor performance. In the lawsuit, Susan's attorney built a case around these following facts. The employee handbook had no at-will employment language in it, and Susan was under the impression that she had an indefinite contract of employment. The employee handbook was very vague about the issues such as lunchtime expectations and certainly didn't say anything about eating at your desk nor cleanliness of her work area. Susan was just exercising her right to eat lunch at the designated time and she knew it was without pay. 
Attorney charged that if she was allowed to eat at her desk, even though not paid, she was still answering the phone and thus working. Susan has a right to back pay for all those lunch hours that she was actually working and the subsequent overtime pay as a result. The handbook was also vague as to the consequences of poor performance and did not address disciplinary steps that could lead up to and including Susan's termination. The attorney alleges that the employee handbook is a legal document and implies a contractual relationship. He further alleges that Susan was allowed to be tardy as well as others without consequences, and now she was just being targeted because Susan didn't like her anymore and had it in for her. Susan alleges that Barbara was involved in company gossip listening to what other employees were saying about her behavior, and the attorney says that she had no documentation as to specific behavior causing a specific negative outcome of her performance. Barbara, the administrator, actually didn't get a signature page back from Susan six months ago when she gave her the handbook, so she had no defense that Susan had actually read the handbook and was given opportunities to ask questions to clarify the policies. Wow. So this XYZ employee handbook, in essence, ended up being a bear trap for the attorney to trap the company and the administrator? Yes, exactly. So what does an employer do to not get into this same jam and and be a victim? Well, like I said before, the employee handbook is your bulwark of defense in the court of law when an employee, or most likely an ex-employee, takes you to court for employment-related issues. So in this case, let's go back and review the allegations and talk about what should have been in place in the XYZ Employee Handbook. First, regarding the at-will statement. I got a statement here I'd like to read. This is a good example of an at-will statement and what it might sound like. I acknowledge that I have been provided with a copy of the Company Employee Handbook, which contains important information on the company's policies, procedures, and benefits includes the policies of anti-harassment, discrimination, substance abuse, and confidentiality. I understand that I am responsible for familiarizing myself with the policies in this handbook and agree to comply with all the rules applicable to me. I understand and agree that the policies described in the handbook are intended as a guide only and do not constitute a contract of employment. I specifically understand and agree that the employment relationship between the company and me is at will and can be terminated by the company or me at any time with or without cause or notice. Furthermore, the company has the right to modify or alter my position or impose any form of discipline it deems appropriate at any time. Nothing in this handbook is intended to modify the company's policy of at will employment. The at-will employment relationship may not be modified except by a specific written agreement signed by me and authorized representative of the company. This is the entire agreement between the company and me regarding the subject. All prior and contemporaneous inconsistent agreements are superseded. I understand the company reserves the right to make changes to its policies, procedures, or benefits at any time at its discretion. However, the at-will employment agreement can be modified only in the manner specified above. I further understand that the company reserves the right to interpret its policies or to vary its procedures as it deems necessary or appropriate. I have received the company employee handbook. I have read or will read and agree to abide by the policies 
and procedures contained in this handbook. That's a long one, but very specific. Second, regarding the lunchtime and the break time benefits, the employee handbook should have spelled out better that lunchtime was non-paid one-half-hour benefit for working an eight-hour day. It should have stated that lunch had to be taken in a non-work or designated lunch area and that no work should be done and it is not expected to be done, such as answering the phones. It could have gone on to say what consequences would occur if the policy or similar policy would be continually ignored by Susan. Third, the handbook should have spelled out clearly and concisely that employees are evaluated based upon work performance and they are expected to meet project deadlines, exceed goals, and objectives assigned by their supervisors. It should spell out that they will receive periodic performance evaluations. It should have said that if performance expectations are not met, the employee could expect a corrective action plan including a progressive disciplinary plan up to and including termination if the employee could not meet the corrective action plan. Next, if your employee handbook has a policy such as tardiness, no-show, or similar, the management team has to consistently track the infractions, administer disciplinary action in the same consistent, fair manner to all the employees that violate them. If your handbook has no such policy, you'd better create one right now. And why, you ask? If you don't have the policy, how can you administer disciplinary action in the same consistent, fair manner to all your employees unless you choose not to do so. But then you are being consistently inconsistent and really open yourself up to charges of favoritism and or maybe discrimination. You're going to step into the bear trap if you don't enforce company policies consistently because there will always be that one employee setting the bear trap just for you. And then to move on then, if you have revisions to your employee handbook, you must distribute the new revised handbook to all the employees and the managers and obtain a signature page back from them attesting that they've read it and understood it and know how to come to the manager or the HR department for any further policies, uh, questions that they may have on the policies. So in this lawsuit, Susan didn't sign it. So she could call the bluff and say that she didn't know because no one told me. And no one certainly trained me on the policy until it was too late. Barbara, not having a signature page, no in-service training log sheet signatures, or other evidence, had no way to counter that argument. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Did you know that becoming an Excellentia All Access e-member that you can see all of our future webinars absolutely free? Not only do you get to see them, but can allow your staff and providers to sit in on the webinar and receive the benefits of the training as well as receive contact hours and certificates of participation for no additional cost. Check out the All Access e-membership on our website at www.excellentiagroup.com and look out for the e-membership info menu tab. Wow. So if the employee handbook is well-written and you've indicated concise and clear, it can be a very good thing to keep you out of court or to help you defend yourself in court, I take it. Yes, precisely. So let me point out some other helpful tips before we bring this podcast to an end. This is a policy manual. Therefore, we learn from this example today, it is a legal document, and it will be utilized as a legal document in the court of law. I already established that it must be written clearly, concisely, and 
there has to be no room for misinterpretation. I would suggest having a review committee or a team of employees and managers, and it doesn't have to be big, maybe three, review the manual together and see if they come up with any different interpretations to the policy. If so, they must be rewritten to have the true intention that you meant it to be. What should the employee handbook contain? It should contain rules in order to provide sanity and civility in the workplace, policies on work environment, how to maintain that work environment, including the cleanliness, policies on how to treat each other, policies on work ethic and performance expectations, policies on proper behavior and conduct supported by the various agencies, Family Medical Leave Act, FLSA, ADA, EEOC, anti-discrimination of any of the protected classes, sexual harassment, non-retaliation, and that manual should have consequences for violations of any of those that I just listed. This should not be worded so specific that you box yourself into a corner, but generally specific enough, for instance, saying words like periodic performance evaluations, which means there will be some frequency of performance evaluations. If you say quarterly evaluations, then you must do one evaluation each quarter, or else you become inconsistent, and that could be used against you in a court of law. The employee must be given at the time of employment, and it would encourage you to make this into a PowerPoint slide presentation, make an in-service out of it, or maybe perhaps have another employee train the new employee. I would also encourage you to to use parts of the employee handbook periodically as a monthly in-service, especially if you're experiencing some of the social fire uh, and the outbreaks that uh, needing some drenching, so to speak. The employee must read inside the acceptance page and return it to the manager without exception. This is a must, no exceptions at all. The signed document must be placed in their personnel file, and the handbook must be used consistently with all employees in disciplinary actions or in the management of the team, and your management team has to be trained on how to use it and how to manage with it, or else you could find your center in the court because your manager's incompetence. So, Kathy, I think I've hit all the major points of how our surgery center clients can keep their surgery center from being sued because of their employee handbook. Well, I guess we'll call it a wrap today so you can all get out and check your employee handbooks. As always, we're available to all of you by emails. Before we sign off, though, just one last thing I wanted to mention. I know we've spoken about the emergency operations plans in the past. February 1st, CMS posted a memo that their expectation is that you include in your hazard vulnerability analysis some type of consideration of catastrophic infectious uh, disease outbreaks. So if you haven't already done that, make sure you check into that. Uh, If you've got one of the manuals that we made, we've put it in there. It's on the uh, human hazards. But at any rate, just to kind of give you that quick note. Well, thanks for listening. Hopefully you'll tune in next week as we explore additional ASC topics. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you all. Be sure to find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify, and subscribe so you can get updates whenever we release our new episodes. Love this episode of Excellentia Podcast? Please head over to Stitcher and rate and review. Thanks for tuning in.